Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to today's podcast, which is episode two of season one of the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and all of Georgia's educators. I'm your host, Jim Finch, and I'm the principal of Married Persons High School located in Forsyth, Georgia. Today's guest is none other than Mr. Ben Wiggins. He is the principal at Oconee County High School located in Watkinsville, Georgia, and he's in the Oconee County School District. Hello, Ben Wiggins. How are you, buddy? I'm great, Dr. Finch. How are you today? I'm doing well. Just um, looking forward to doing another broadcast or podcast here, and um, today's um, topics are going to be um, professional learning and uh, athletics. And so uh, hopefully our podcast listeners uh, will be able to enjoy some of the insight that uh, Ben Wiggins from Oconee County is going to uh, give us. But before we get into that, uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, educational resume and your background. Mr. Wiggins, go ahead. All right. Well, this is my 24th year in education. I uh, started in, down in South Georgia, where I'm from, Moultrie, Georgia, Coquit County High School. Taught social studies, uh, did that for a number of years, and then uh, got into administration as an assistant principal there. And uh, after 13 years in, in Cockwood County, I, I went right across the county line to Pelham City Schools, where I was the principal of Pelham High School for five years. And then six years ago, uh, I took the job here as principal at Oconee County High School. Okay. So, uh, South Georgia boy up in Northeast Georgia. Um, our first podcast was with uh, Philip Brown, who is in your uh, your district there, rival school, and uh, kind of asked him a little bit about y'all's uh, South Georgia connection now in uh, Northeast Georgia. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your interaction with your rival there. Yeah, it's a very good, funny, compelling story, interesting. Uh, Dr. Philip Brown is the principal at North Oak County. Uh, high school, and we have a great relationship. We were friends uh, well before I came up here to become his colleague. Uh, but interesting enough, he's from Valdosta High School, is where he graduated from, and uh, Cockwood County's number one rival, and uh, I still think Valdosta's number one rival is Cockwood County. And so it's funny, we went from uh, being high school rivals to coming up here, and we have a very good, healthy relationship. But uh, kind of like brothers, you want to you want to beat your brother and everything, and so we have a really good, healthy, uh, competitive spirit between both of us. That's pretty unique how y'all kind of grew up down there being rivals, and then uh, up there as a healthy rival. I mean, I'm sure both of you make make yourselves pretty good at what you do. How about telling us uh, what is your why? Why Why do you do what you do? You know, when I originally got into education, it was it was because I wanted to make a difference. And uh, as I was trying to decide what I wanted to be uh, in college, I originally thought I wanted to be a juvenile probation officer. And uh, kind of as I got into that, uh, deeper into those courses and did an internship, uh, I realized that I, I wanted to do something on the front end with kids before they got to that point um, and, and be a positive influence. And when I thought back on my life, who the positive influences in my life were other than my parents, it was my teachers and coaches, and so it just seemed like a natural fit. My mother was a teacher, so I'd kind of grown up, you know, going with her to her elementary school. And, uh, so anyway, it just seemed like a natural fit, and uh, so I think that has continued on my why. Um, I still 
um, get excited about watching students that um, become successful later in life, and uh, especially the ones that struggle a little bit early on. You know, my dad was a high school dropout. Uh, he went to the seventh grade and later on went to World War II. So I think I've got that unique perspective that uh, on my dad's side of the family, you know, I'm a, I'm a first-generation high school graduate. So I think my heart and my emotions always kind of lean toward those kids that, um, you know, have struggled a little bit or, or have come from families that uh, were maybe education wasn't a priority. And uh, I, I would say that's probably still my why. Okay. Very unique there. Um, career aspirations, do you see yourself moving anything past the principal's office or what do you see for yourself in the next five years or so? You know, I, I try to just, uh, I heard a, a guy say years ago, you know, just be where your feet are. And uh, I just believe, you know, try to do the best job that you can where you are. And, you know, if an opportunity arises, I, I, I can't see myself leaving here for another high school principal job. I mean, I just think this is one of the best jobs in the state. It's a great school, great community, great students, parent support. Um, but you never know. You know, sometimes I, I do, uh, my interest is peaked about possibly, you know, looking at a superintendent role. Uh, down the road in the future, but um, I just believe you, you do the, the best that you can where you are, be where your feet are, and if an opportunity arises and, um, and you know, as a family we think that's the right thing to do, we may look into that. Speaking of family, tell us a little bit about your family and uh, maybe even some hobbies or some special interests that you may have. Sure. So. Uh, my wife is Jana. We've been married for over 27 years. That's hard to believe that we're looking at year number 28 going up. Uh, and so anyway, she uh, she works at Georgia Piedmont Technical College. She spent most of her, her professional career in the technical college system. She does communications, public relations. Uh, our oldest, our son, Blake, is 25. Uh, he graduated from UGA, and he actually works for the uh, – college campus ministry called Wesley at UGA and that's where he works right now uh, and then our daughter is a 20 uh, year old sophomore or excuse me junior at UGA and she's majoring in early childhood education and it's uh, kind of unique both of her grandmothers were elementary teachers so uh, it's been real neat to watch her follow that that career track as well uh, as far as hobbies you know um, I don't hunt, I don't fish. I used to fish way back when I had a little more time. Um, but my hobbies now just uh, are really, my wife and I have tried to get serious about our exercise life and our uh, dieting and routine. And so we, we exercise every day, uh, just as we've gotten older, we know that that's important. So that's probably become our hobby now. Do a little light reading, uh, not as much as probably as I should, and uh, and then I always enjoy watching some different binge shows on Netflix. And right now I'm watching one called uh, Spy. It's about an Israeli spy back in the 60s. That's kind of my hobbies as of right now. Good deal. Okay, so as we said, our uh, topics today are professional learning communities and uh, athletics. So we'll just go straight into the professional learning community. You know, in your own words, um, what does it what what does a professional community look like or what does it mean to be a professional learning community? 
Well, I think it can look like a lot of different things. The, the way we do it here is uh, kind of twofold. Um, one, we do it by department. Everything from the PE department to the CTA department, fine arts, they all meet together a minimum of twice a month. And, uh, and they just talk about all things concerning that department. Uh, they share ideas of what's working in the classroom, what's not working. They share ideas on assessments. Um, we just believe that the, the, the real knowledge inside of a school is that classroom teacher. And so that's one part of our professional learning community. The other part, uh, we have action teams that are actually compressed, uh, comprised of both middle schools and both high schools in our district. And they meet uh, once a month and they go over things from more of a curriculum standpoint to where the professional learning communities look at more of a, some teaching strategies and assessment strategies. Okay. Have you ever learned or have you ever used like any data sources to kind of tell you what your professional learning needs to be, like surveys or TEKS data or student achievement data or anything like that? We do, we use all of that. And so the, the way we come up with the topics for our first professional learning community is uh, with, with all of those that you just mentioned, with our standardized tests on the, on the milestones, uh, also, we use math testing a lot here. We started using that three years ago uh, in math, and this year we just uh, incorporated English um, for some of our English classes. And so our, our school improvement plan, is, it kind of cascades down from the, um, from the district office where they're looking at the big picture from the system, you know, maybe some target areas or what we want to get better in or improve upon. Um, and then that kind of cascades down to the local school level to where we incorporate kind of our own twist on that, but with a, with a strong influence from the district office. Okay, well you mentioned the district office. Do you outsource anything past your district? Does, you ever brought any professionals in to speak about a certain topic or y'all just pretty much in-house? We do. We do a little bit of both. Uh, we do utilize our RESA a lot. Um, two areas right now that we're really using our RESA. Probably the biggest area is our math with uh, nitrate algebra and 10th grade geometry. We are getting trained and moving toward a, a new math program uh, that's called MVP Math. And uh, that's being taught and directed by our RESA. And it's really just about some different teaching strategies to help our students uh, connect with the material somewhat easier than, uh, I don't know what you might call the traditional methods of teaching math. So we went through the training last year with algebra and all of our teachers uh, that teach algebra went through that training. And this year we're doing it in geometry. Okay. Um, what about the monitoring piece on professional learning? Uh, at Oconee, what, what, what do you and your admin team do to ensure that you know, whatever professional learning is, is exposed to the teachers is actually getting put into practice in the classroom. Yeah, well, the action team meetings where both middle schools and both high schools are all members are actually run by the curriculum director at the district office. But we try to make it a point to always have at least one or more of us in each of those action team meetings. I think it's important for our teachers to see us there so they know that we value that and we think it's important. 
and also just to make sure that we know exactly what the plan is and what's being asked of our teachers so when we go into those classrooms we can actually see evidence of that. As far as the professional learning communities, we really want to give our teachers some freedom in that aspect, uh, but they do, the departments let us know when they're meeting, uh, what, what day or what time, and they, they go ahead and schedule it out for the year. And we may not go to every one of those meetings, but they know that we will drop in and out of those meetings just to check. And they do a, a little sign-in sheet, and they have minutes uh, so that um, uh, we know exactly what they're covering. And that's a part of their TEAKS uh, professional learning goals is a professional learning community. So that, that helps with some of that accountability. Okay. Um, since you mentioned a little bit about TEAKS, um, let me use that as kind of a segue into uh, teachers' professional learning goals. You know, um, that was a huge process that kind of moved from the PSC monitoring or the PO, you know, the old POUs that we used to have to get, and now districts and building level administrators are are um, charged with with monitoring that. How, how do you manage and support those teachers? Uh, uh, who are developing those professional learning goals in their TEAKS platform? Yeah, as of right now, for the last two and a half years, three, going on three years, we've, we've just recently implemented a, a learning platform called It's Learning, ITS Learning, It's Learning. And basically, it's a kind of a one-stop shop. We, we had teachers, not only at the school level, but the district level, that were doing some great things, but on a lot of different platforms, like Google Classroom, for example example, Edmodo, and we just wanted to be able to bring it all into one platform. They still use Google Classroom and some of those things, but it's all on one platform, so now all of our students know where to go for the information for their class, and the parents know where to go, so they can see a calendar, they can see what tests are coming up. So we've spent the last two and a half years, uh, all of our teachers, one of their professional learning plans has been the training on uh, its learning. And again, we do that during planning periods. We don't want to, um, uh, we decided to do it during planning periods so we didn't have conflicts uh, such as coaching or doctor's uh, appointments, dentist appointments and those kind of things. And, and again, we try our best for at least one administrator to be in each of those planning periods because we think it's important again. If we're in there, watching the training and being a part of the training, it helps our teachers to see that it is important and we're in there with them. Um, the, the second part as far as their other goal, we do let them choose. They have some autonomy. They all have to have at least two. Uh, but they do sit down with us, with their administrator that's uh, evaluating them, and talk about what the goal is, why they've chosen it as a goal, if it is the, a similar or the same goal as the previous year, we talk about what improvements were made or, or why they decided to extend it to a second year. And each time we have conferences with them, we talk about how they're doing with that particular goal. Okay. I uh, just want to remind podcast listeners again today we have with us uh, Mr. Ben Wiggins. He's the principal of Oconee County High School. He is a past president of uh, GASSP, which is the Georgia Association of Secondary School Principals, and he is also now the actual immediate past president 
of the Georgia Association of Educational Leaders. So Ben, kind of talk to us a little bit about uh, how being a member of those associations or actually being an officer in those associations has impacted your professional learning and, and what you do on a day-to-day basis as a school building administrator. Absolutely. I, I've been blessed by my involvement with, with both of those organizations. And, you know, looking back, I can't imagine becoming an administrator and not being a part of GASSP. Um, you know, being an assistant principal is one thing, uh, but once you become a principal, uh, particularly particularly if you're in a system where there's only one high school, uh, I think a lot of times principals find themselves where they may be the only person currently working in that district with actual high school principal experience. And uh, the reason that professional organization is so important is it gives you a network of colleagues that you can call and bounce ideas off of or, or voice frustrations with. Um, and anyway, it, it's just been a, a real blessing uh, for me to be able to to be in that organization. I remember when I first became principal at Pelham High School, even though I had already been a part of GASSP, um, I really took it to another level at the encouragement of the Thomasville High School principal, Todd Mobley, uh, really reached out to me and invited me to come. And all of a sudden I had a network of high school principals around Southwest Georgia that I could talk to. And I never felt like I was on an island. Uh, I think being a part of Yale and having the opportunity to go through that as the president, same kind of thing, it just uh, it, it enabled me to be around professionals in the different organizations. Now, elementary principals around the state, besides just the ones in my district, the middle school principals, the curriculum directors all over the state, the human resource um, personnel directors, the superintendents across the state. So again, I think it's just about building your network, uh, learning from others, sometimes learning from their mistakes, uh, sometimes just bouncing ideas off of them. And, um, you know, but more than anything, just learning what they've been successful at and then figuring out if that's going to be something that maybe you can replicate at your particular school based on your school's needs, demographics, and culture. Okay. Well, uh, let's move on into topic two, which uh, for you today is, is athletics and for our listeners. Um, Mr. Wiggins is actually a former college athlete, having played football at Samford. Um, so he knows uh, very well how athletics fits into his school culture and, and his uh, community there. So uh, let's just ask a couple of questions about how athletics fits in at Oconee County High School and start off by asking you, um, do you use like a, a coach model, like a football coach or any other coach, or do you use an administrator as your athletic director there at Oconee? Yeah, here in Oconee, we use an administrator and assistant principal as the athletic director. Um, and this was the first place I've been where that was the model. Um, my previous two schools, you know, I think it was more of the traditional a coach, and it just happened to be the head football coach. That used to be the norm. Um, I think there's pros and cons both ways. Um, but I do think having an administrator and assistant principal being that athletic director I do think it helps. Number one, that person has time during every season to be able to focus on all athletic programs. I think when you have a coach sometimes, especially if it's a football coach, they get real tunnel vision, as they should during football season. I think it's hard for them to 
to, number one, be visible around the other fall sports, and sometimes they have a tendency to possibly lose sight of the big picture. So if, if I had a preference, I think I like the model that we use here where it is an administrator being the athletic director. I think it just gives that person uh, more of an opportunity to be able to see the athletic program from the big picture rather than from the micro. Okay, most recently the um, GHSA sent out its its uh, first newsletter of the school year. And Dr. Hines had some uh, remarks in his uh, in his opening letter there about uh, sportsmanship and um, healthy competition and stuff. What what are the ways in which you, as a principal, or maybe even your school admin or other folks, maybe even your coaches, what do y'all do there to promote healthy competition and and demonstrate sportsmanship? What we do, we talk about it a lot. Our coaches to our players, of course. You know, we don't want anything from personal fouls, we, our coaches do a good job of talking to their athletes about, you know, um, being respectful to your opponents, both during the game, before the game, after the game. As administrators, we really try to take a proactive stance with our student body. Um, and normally what we do is we, we kind of pick out some of our senior leaders in our student section. And for us, it's primarily football games and basketball games. Um, we really have never really had any problems in any other sports. So what we do is we identify, you know, during the summer who we think are our senior leaders in that student section, and we meet with them. And we talk to them, and we talk to them about being the leaders and making sure that our student section cheers for our team and we don't cheer against the other team. Uh, the other thing we do is we, you know, and it's the principal's always – Right there, my, my duty post in a football game is I stand in front of the student section so I can eyeball them. Uh, and I have another assistant principal that stands there with me. So the two of us, that's our assigned duty spot, uh, is to help our students with that. But once we identify those leaders and we talk to them about the expectations and what we need for them, they really do. They kind of take that on, that responsibility. I think they enjoy it. I think they enjoy that accountability. And they enjoy being the leaders of that student section, and uh, they do a really good job with it. But I do think it's important to be proactive uh, rather than waiting until you have an issue and then trying to deal with sportsmanship. Okay. Uh, for listeners, um, Oconee County High School is a quad A school uh, for reclassification purposes uh, at the Georgia High School Association level, and uh, they compete in Region 8 which is more or less the uh, region eight is typically your northeast Georgia schools. Um, this is the last year in the uh, reclassification cycle, and we're about to enter another cycle. So um, let's kind of talk a little bit about reclassification and what you think that needs to look like or what improvements do you think should be made at the GHSA to promote competition as it relates to competitive balance. And when I ask that question, I speak about, you know, County schools, city schools, other public schools, charter schools, private schools. Do you can you weigh in on that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. You know, I I I think we have too many classifications. Personally, I, I was I was hoping. You know, I know Dr. Hines wanted to uh, possibly look at going back to six A, but that was voted to stay at seven A. Um, 
you know, there's five teams in our region and four are going to go to the playoffs. I just think that's – I just think we need to go back to a fewer classifications. I think uh, going to the playoffs needs to be something that's very special and, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little more earned than it currently is. As far as the competitive balance, I, I, first of all, I think Georgia High School has an incredibly difficult job um, trying to manage – all of the stuff that they have to manage. And I think they do a really good job during, uh, with a tough set of circumstances. Um, I do think that it's important. I like the idea of the multiplier. Um, and I, I like the idea of the two multiplier. And uh, I think it's important to remind all of our listeners and, and people around the state, you know, uh, usually that conversation centers around private schools and city schools. But we do have county schools out there that do take out-of-district students. Um, and I think all of that needs to be taken into consideration because I do think that can cause an imbalance in competition. And so I think Georgia High School is on to the right tracks with that two-multiplier. You know, I know part of the debate right now and discussion is should a school have to move up two classifications based on that multiplier, I'm under the feeling, you know, the numbers fall where they fall. And uh, it, it, nobody's ever going to be 100% happy when it comes to reclassification or any of that type stuff. When I was the principal at Pelham, my first two years, we were in single A, and we were one of the biggest single A schools in the state, and so we enjoyed the benefits of being one of the biggest single A schools in the state. The My following three years at Pelham, we were the second smallest double-A school in the state. And so, you know, it, it just happens that way. And it, it, this reclassification thing, whether it's with the multiplier or whatever, there's going to be schools that they benefit sometimes, and other times they're going to be on the short end of the stick. But I really do like the idea of uh, identifying, you know, those out-of-district students, regardless if it's a private city or county. And I like the way they're uh, kind of describing the service area of a private school. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like the idea of a private school getting an entire metro Atlanta county. I like the idea of them having to deal with what a public high school has to deal with. So I really think Georgia High School is on the right track with that. Okay. Uh, let's talk about your extracurricular activities there as it relates to your school culture. How, how does athletics fit into the school culture there at, at Oconee County? It, a lot of our students are involved with athletics. We, we offer a lot of, of athletics, especially the spring seems like we just keep adding more and more. But we strongly encourage our students and their parents that we want all of our students to be involved at a minimum of one sport or one fine art, band, chorus, uh, drama, um, or, and or one club. Because, you know, we just think it's important. We would love for all of our kids to either be in a, a sport and or a fine art and also serve in a club. And we just, we just know from research that if kids can get involved with extracurricular activities, the chances of them being successful in school improves dramatically. And uh, whether it's grades or social, emotional, 
issues that students have a lot of times is traced back to they're not connected to anything at that school. They're not a member of a sports team. They're not in a fine arts group. They're not in a club. And so the more we can get them involved in extracurriculars, we just think that helps the climate of the school overall and the experience for that individual high school student. Okay. Uh, as you know, GHSA has kind of added a couple of activities um, for schools to enjoy. Uh, some of those are most recent uh, additions have been eSports and game day cheer and dance. Uh, does Oconee participate in any of these newest ones that, that GHSA has put out there for schools? Yeah, we, we have not participated in eSports yet, but we have begun to get some questions from some of our students. So I would imagine in the next year or two we will have an eSports team. This year we are moving to a game day cheer team, so we will be doing that. Uh, the bass fishing our students are very interested in, in, and excited about. We've had an unofficial Georgia High School team, I guess, of bass fishing for the last three years. So they are very excited about that. And I really think the girls flag football, I think that's going to be very, very popular. Um, I, I'm just, I hope that's going to be a fall sport. I'm assuming that it will be. And, um, but I think there will be a lot of interest in that. Well, good deal. Well, uh, again, listeners, we have uh, Mr. Ben Wiggins on the uh, line today, and uh, he is actually episode two of our season one of the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast for high school principals, by high school principals, and all of Georgia educators. And uh, Ben, we appreciate you joining us today, and um, hope you have a good rest of the day. I enjoyed it thoroughly, Dr. Finch. Hope you have a great day as well. Well, uh, podcast listeners, uh, make sure that you um, look for other podcasts that uh, we will be dropping soon. And uh, hope, you know, any uh, current principals, um, aspiring leaders, assistant principals, or just anyone that is, uh, that is interested in uh, building level administration uh, enjoys our uh, podcasts. Uh, we plan on talking to as many high school principals as we can around the state. And uh, hopefully you're able to get something from uh, our conversation. So at this point, we will sign off for Episode 2 with Mr. Ben Wiggins. Thank you.